Hi, this is Mary Coughlin, and I want to welcome you to the Care Out Loud podcast, presented to you by Caring Essentials Collaborative, founder of the Trauma-Informed Professional Certificate Program and internationally recognized leader in trauma-informed developmentally supportive education for parents and professionals serving babies, children, and families in crisis around the globe. I'm wicked excited you're here as we talk about caring out loud. In each moment lies a unique opportunity to create a kinder, more connected and compassionate world one moment at a time. And it all begins with you. Today's episode is with the incredibly brilliant, incurably curious Dr. Livio Provenzi. Livio is currently the assistant professor at the Department of the Nervous System and Behavior at the University of Pavia in Italy. His interests span a myriad of scientific fields to include epigenetics and neuroscience, with an emphasis on the neuropsychobiological dimensions underlying the early human connections in conditions of typical and atypical development, such as preterm birth, sensory deficits, um, psychomotor retardation, environmental alterations. He actually has a special interest in the first thousand days of life and the role of early parent-child interactions. An author of over 100 published papers and two scientific textbooks, he is also a member of the international research group Separation and Closeness Experiences in the Neonatal Environment, or SEEN, um, organization. He's also editor-in-chief for Frontiers in Pediatric Psychology and a member of the editorial board of Infant Behavior and Development and PLOS One. I know you will enjoy listening in as I get to chat with this super cool guy. Well, I am so honored and excited to have Dr. Livio Provenzi on the podcast today. Um, I've been a, a great admirer of your work for uh, many years. Um, it really, my discovery of your work actually kind of coincided with my discovery of that this concept of trauma-informed care. And um, when I when I was first introduced to it, it was within the setting of an adolescent inpatient psychiatric unit. Um, and I was, I was a temporary interim nurse manager at the time on that floor, completely out of my element because I'm a neonatal nurse practitioner by training. But when I started um, understanding what this concept meant, it, it just started to hit me that, oh my gosh, this belongs in the NICU. You know, I started thinking about the babies and the families and, and even subsequently the clinicians mm -hmm. Um, being exposed to trauma on a daily basis, you know, on a moment to moment basis, you know, and um, so I started digging in and that's when I discovered the amazing research that you were doing, um, Rosario Monterroso, and now this incredible huge team that you've put together really focused on, I mean, you know, I use the word trauma, but you're really focusing on um, early development and, and the epigenetic consequences of those experiences? Am I capturing that accurately? Yes, exactly. How did exactly. you get into that? How, how, what drew you into that specialty of, um, of study? Uh, you mentioned Rosario and he is one of the reasons why we did that because 
honest, honestly, I'm a psychologist. Um, so I'm not a biologist. I didn't have this kind of background when I was a student. So I was very intrigued by the studies from uh, Tronic, Beatrice Bieber, mm -hmm. uh, Louis Sander, these guys that really changed the way we 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 think about babies and, and parents today. And today mm -hmm. it's normal to think that way, to mm -hmm. consider early interactions and the first thousand days as a period which is very important for mm -hmm. uh, developmental care, for uh, uh, protection. But uh, they really changed the game in a way. And um, so when I was a student, I, I said, I mean, I decided I wanted to be part of that kind of thing, doing research in this field. And I discovered that Rosario was doing something similar in Italy. So I asked for a postgraduate tra trainship with him. And uh, honestly, <laughs> to be to be honest, I didn't have to do the trainship there, but to do it with uh, with um, Lynn Murray, which is another great researcher from uh, Reading University UK, okay. because I, I knew that they were connected some way. So and I asked something like, "Oh, can you just send me there and do research?" <laughs> and, and they they said something like, "Oh, we." Honestly, we don't know who you are. So let's work together for a bit. And then mm. and then I stayed there for 12 years. So wow. yeah, it was yes. And, and with Rosario, we did very big projects. We get fun doing these kind of uh scientific studies. And um and the reason why we moved to epigenetics or in general to biomarkers was that we were really um interested in studying the mechanisms by which something that happened between us, for example, the quality of care, uh, the quality of caregiving, maternal sensitivity. Yeah. So yeah. this is something that is interactive. How is this affecting um, child development? So something which is inside of the child, the maturation, the genetics. Mm -hmm. And so epigenetics at the beginning of this century was really uh something like a new way to look at this kind of uh question and yeah and so we started to do it at the very beginning there was no epigenetic research or barely no epigenetic research on uh, human babies yeah um, there was one paper from oberlander from vancouver canada oh, that's uh, but, yeah but uh yes yeah, so it was a jump in a hole in a black hole. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, it it has touched. I mean, it touched my life um, incredibly. I remember this one paper specifically that really um, captured my interest. Um, I think it was in Joggin, and you had <clears throat> I forget the full title, but it was epigenetics was the um, the title, or it was included in there. And I found it fascinating and compelling that you were making discoveries, or at least hypothesizing that these experiences are changing fellow human beings, um, you know, right down at that epigenetic level. And in knowing that then, you know, we have an ethical responsibility then to, to look at that, to understand it, and then explore ways of mitigating any of the deleterious implications of those modifications. It was, it's just mind blowing what you guys were doing and and it's really evolved now um i mean i've got your 
I've got your book here. I'm such a nerd about the work that you do. And I um, appreciate all that you share with me. Um, developmental human behavioral epigenetics, um, principles, methods, evidence, and future directions. It's a fascinating volume that really takes you through, um, I mean, all of the journey that you and your colleagues have made in understanding epigenetics and then the implications of that in the caregiving interactions. Yes. Just amazing. Just, <laughs> and, and of course, as a NICU clinician, um, I'm really intrigued by what was it then, you know, that drew you to that specific mm. population? Yes. Uh, but I have to admit that I never work in a, an ICU. Mm -hmm. So I always work in research hospitals or universities and in research hospitals in which we Sometimes we received babies from the NICU, but after the discharge, so for follow-up uh, or for uh, uh, developmental interventions after the, the NICU stay. And um, so the reason why we started doing research with preterm babies was a mix of elements, uh, meeting people, knowing people, working there. But uh, most of all, we received uh, Rosario, uh, the, the lab that Rosario was leading, uh, receive a big uh, funding for uh, research on the quality of care in the NICU in oh, all yeah. uh, the Italian territory. So they did a very big study on more than 25 uh, neonatal intensive care units. And that was uh, probably the first time that we were able to get a picture of the quality of care. And it was incredibly um, different between mm -hmm. different hospitals. So we had uh, an ICU with very high quality of care and others with very low, with uh, partial access for the parents, with uh, not very good management of pain, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, architectural issues. So, um, and so I, I think that was the starting point. And the idea of studying preterm infants is also uh, grounded in scientific reasons, uh, because of course the preterm baby uh, from a research point of view is a is an incredible natural model of development. So it's a yes. human being which is outside in the world, exposed to a number of stimuli for good and for bad. And uh, uh, you can really study in a very early stage of development yeah. uh, mechanisms that might be responsible for even later developmental issues in infants and children. So I think the, the preterm baby is the right uh, point where uh, different lines converge. So yeah. the interest for clinical interventions, family-centered care, research on biomarkers, and uh, there is a lot we, we should do and we can do. And working with uh, on this topic, I was so lucky to meet a lot of neonatologists, nurses, mm -hmm. Research nurses, yeah. uh, we don't we don't have many in Italy. This is unlucky, uh, but I hope this is going to change. And uh, families, of course. So yeah. associations of families. This is one of the most powerful drive to improve uh, research, to make research meaningful, and yeah. to translate yeah. it into care actions. Yes. Yeah, I, I think a lot of um, clinicians are intrigued and maybe even a little. Um, uh, what's the word, you know, like uh, incredulous, possibly, that might be the word, mm -hmm. about the concept of like 
psychology or mental health um, in the neonatal population, in the newborn population, mm -hmm. whether they be, you know, premature individuals or, you know, full-term individuals. I think sometimes we still have this um, thought process that, that babies are just, you know, blank slates. And, um, and, you know, they'll, they won't remember these bad things. So it's not a big deal. Just let time pass and everything will be, you know, right as rain, everything will work out in the wash. And I think it's been really intriguing, particularly when I think about the amazing work of um, the late Dr. Heidelise Els and her mm -hmm. work around, um, you know, the preterm infant, her, her um, synactive theory, and yes. really understanding these individuals fully and completely as fellow human beings. And I, I see the, 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 you know, the shadings of that infused in your work, Livio. I, I love how you articulate um, the work that you do about, you said it at the very beginning when we started talking, understanding how these experiences affect us. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a really important um, thing to understand, I think, because many of us, and, and I'm just as guilty in my earlier clinical days, I thought of the babies as other, and that the things that I had to do were for other, but had nothing to do with me or any other human that I interacted with. But I really, I've evolved to a better place where I, I understand the unitariness of all of us, right? I mean, what affects one affects yes. others. And I, and I love how you capture that in in the work that you do is that was that an evolutionary process as well it, you know kind of discovering the humanity of the work that you were doing uh yes i think it's something that starts uh from a very old uh starting point um yeah i i mentioned briefly uh louis sander uh, mm -hmm. which was a great great uh, um, uh, researcher uh, working exactly where you are in, in Boston, if I remember oh. well. Uh, so he he he's not as famous as Daniel Stern or Tronic others, but I guess he was really the father of the infant research uh, uh -huh. uh, field. So he started to do these observations of mother-infant interactions during breastfeeding, uh, breastfeeding on demand or breastfeeding by schedule. And uh, he started, and the very uh, key question that moved him to do these kind of things was exactly this apparent paradox. So how is it possible that we are separated as individuals, but we are also able to be together as a unique system? And uh, so this was, the reading the, the things that he wrote on, on this topic was really the starting point that made me um, I mean, convinced me that it was possible to do research in this field, do it with this kind of human, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. with, with this care, with this uh, care attitude, and also with a scientifically uh, rigorous approach. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I discovered that <laughs> uh, it was not just an idea that I had as a student, but many labs were already doing this kind of research. So I was very happy that I think that everything I do now is the product of the interactions that I had with all the mentors or the colleagues I met. Mm -hmm. um, for example, how lucky I am to be part of an international group like the SCENE, uh, 
separation yes. and closeness experience uh, in neonated uh, environments, which is led by uh, Anaxalin and Lisa Letonen in yeah. Finland. And that that was another lucky encounter. So I, I, I still now I learn a lot from them. And it's an incredible, rewarding experience of togetherness as humans, but mm -hmm. also a learning experience as a researcher, as a professional. Yeah. Well, I love how you've taken the work um, that at, at least initially I knew you for, right? The epigenetic <laughs> um, concepts. And I've mm. seen you now really um, explore the um, father relationships, you know, the parental um, components. I think there's actually a chapter here in the text that talks about that caregiving um, environment and how that influences not just the infant, um, psychologically, physiologically, but the, the adults as well. And, you know, how can we, I mean, from the, the discoveries that you've made, is, is there some um, wisdom that you can share, you know, evidence-based or however you want to phrase it, but, you know, that you can share with clinicians to help them understand this, the dynamic relational um, nature of the environment and how crucial it is to everyone in the space, but particularly to these vulnerable individuals, these these fragile babies. Uh, this is this is a, a very big important. question. <laughs> yeah, this is a big big question and an important point that I really uh, consider uh, a big mission of our work as researchers. So nowadays, okay. uh, especially nowadays, um, if research remains within the walls of the universities, the research hospitals is useless and it's a waste of resources in italy a lot of in europe and also i guess in the us yes. we do research many times with money that comes from taxes from public um, funding so we need to give something back and we need to give it in the shape of better or smarter care in this case for uh, for babies and parents so um trying to give you a response i I'm trying to work with clinicians, to meet with them, to organize events, uh, not only with them, but also with families. This summer in Italy, uh, in Pavia, which is the city where I work now, uh, we organized a series of events, uh, open and free to anyone, clinicians, researchers, but also citizens, which, uh, and they were a mix of uh, scientific, uh, very, I mean, lay language, scientific communications, mixed with live music and this oh. kind of yeah yeah that we call this uh event uh songs against fear because it was a period in which uh, we still were fighting with the you know i don't like the fighting word sorry the metaphor but we still were dealing yes. <laughs> with uh, with the covid and we were also uh, dealing with news from Ukraine. So there was, yeah. you know, this kind of fear and feeling of the world falling apart. And we decided to do this from the very, from zero, starting from, I, I didn't know the musicians. I just met them. I shared with them this idea that I had. And together we built something which was very successful, receiving a lot of, I mean, citizens, families that came to listen to this. And I think this is the, I mean, an example of what we, we should do. I think that we need to dedicate resources, time, money to create a better bonding with clinicians, with families. There is a general mistrust uh, toward research, which is not good for communities nowadays. And, but, but we cannot just say, oh, they don't trust us. 
we need to find ways and to recognize that probably we were bad communicators and we are sometimes as scientists and we need to find better ways, different ways to bond, to connect uh, with people where they are, not mm-hmm. where we want them want to be. Them to be. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love this. You are like talking my language, my friend. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening in today. I hope you will join me next week as we continue our conversation with Livio and dive deeper into the work he's doing to help babies, families, and professionals create meaningful connections that support healing and health across the lifespan. Remember, showing up on purpose makes the difference, and that difference begins when we care out loud together.